Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. No truer words were ever spoken as far as I am concerned. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here. And Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. And our guest is Hello. is our, our guest is uh, True West editor, magazine editor Stuart Rosebrook. I don't mind standing Howdy. at the bar. Okay, but uh, more importantly, Merry Christmas to everybody, to yeah. all our listeners. And uh, today after Merry Christmas. Well, you know, but uh, that's okay. We we can still do that. We, we can still we, marry. We can also do a pre Happy New Year because that's right. We'll be here on the second of January. That's true too, and and we can do Boxing Day. And if we were in Canada, we could. But I, I don't have any boxes. Did you bring any boxes? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of boxes. Oh, okay. In the well, we'll have a Boxing Day. There you go. Um, today's uh, it's Movie Saturday. We're streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. Beautiful White Stallion just Ranch, just north of Tucson, the site of many a movie location. And um, and I ran into Stewart on the way in. He's uh, the, he's the proprietor of this fine Russell. fine establishment. What did I say? You said Stewart. I did. Oh, uh, I ran into him on the on oh, the microphone. Yeah, right, right. Hey, I ran into uh, Russell. <laughs> And he said he had a good Christmas. The place was still good, and so we saw horsebackers all over the place. I know. This, this place was crawling with, it's with uh, people on horses. It's That's beautiful weather for all of that too. Um, so before we get going, let's take care of what we have to take care of. Okay, we're going to keep it short. We're going to we're going to celebrate two uh, birthdays today. One, Richard Widmark. Uh, Hell of a hell of an actor, made some damn good westerns, and Joe Dreyfus, who was just a hell of a cowboy, hell of a good friend, and uh, if anybody wants to say something nice about uh, Joe, we'll move on to the next topic. Oh, no, no, if anybody wants to say something nice about Joe, please do so. Uh, he was a one-of-a-kind guy, that's for doggone sure. One I miss kind. him. I miss him. Miss him. I miss, him. I, I miss his. I miss his humor. Yeah. I, I miss his knowledge. Uh, not not just of being a cowboy, but I miss his knowledge of uh, of being uh, just an all around kind of shall we say rock contour, uh, <laughs> a Renaissance man, uh, and uh, I I dearly miss him threatening to show throw me in jail uh, <laughs> when I come to Arizona. And uh, in turn, I also just as much miss uh, um, trying to shed light upon the uh, McClowries, the Clantons, <laughs> and uh, uh, Pony Deal, and uh, uh, Indian Joe, and uh, um, well, that's Billy Brecht. That's, 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 uh, that's because his kinfolk uh, were there. And uh, <laughs> Billy, the kid, gave Claiborne. Yeah, well, sixth generation Arizona. Well, you know, I'll, su- I used to I'll sum it up him, for uh, Joe. Specifically, my people were there. Yours weren't. Well, I used to ask Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, I, I know that his people were there, but they only saw one side of it. So, well, they were on the good side. And as I according used to, to Joe. Uh, yeah, according to Joe, that's true. Truth, uh, justice, in know, the American it's funny. way. Joe always had answers for me, except except when I had two questions for him. Um, if if uh, if uh, I Clinton was such a good guy, why was he killed in a stagecoach holdup? There you go. Uh, number one. Uh, Anderson number two, bystander. Why were Head and Crane uh, uh, shot uh, or sent to jail as well? For Anderson bystander. And why was Stillwell killed at the? Uh, uh, at the uh, Tucson uh, railway station, but my favorite thing that I asked Joe that I never got a response was was I used to say to him that um, he liked to uh, have the Clantons and McClarys and the rest of the fellows over for a little cucumber tea sandwiches. And what did he put in the sandwich? Was it just cucumber, or was there a little mayo, or you know barbecue beef? <laughs> Don't you know nothing? No, there was no barbecue yeah. beef. Stuart, would you would you like to, to uh, enlighten our our California friend here? You know, bring bring him some ed- education. 
Edgemakee. <laughs> All right. Today's topic, it is Movie Saturday, and today's topic is um, what makes a great film? Maybe the actors, maybe the scenery, but by and large, it's got to be a good screenplay. And so that's the focus of uh, our program this time is uh, on screenplays, screenwriters, and uh, what makes them so doggone good. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up, Harry, because I, I, bought, I brought an educated book here with me. Uh, some of you guys may have heard of it. It's the Film Encyclopedia, first edition, fourth edition, excuse me. Never heard of it. And it says here, where, where is it? Oh, here it goes, screenplay, also called script and scenario. The written text upon which a film production is based. Unlike a stage play generally produced and performed by the way it was originally written, the screenplay is wide open to interpretation and change. Where we go? I lost my place here. Change. Seldom reaches the screen intact. Yeah. While the screenplay. Well, this is weird. We're trying to read through a magnifying glass. Uh-huh. This doesn't work. Print's uh, getting too close to the page, is it? Yeah, no, I don't know. I think the page <laughs> is getting too close to me. Anyhow, it used to go. I'll see if I'll hit some high spots. Okay. A good script is not judged by the way it reads, but by its effectiveness as a blueprint for a, for a film. To be successful, it must be conceived in visual terms and should sustain a pace of action and dialogue in keeping with the requirements of a motion picture. The dialogue must integrate well with other elements of the uh with the soundtrack, such as music and effects. And I'm going to skip down here something underlined, so it must be important. Okay, what did I underline? Usually it is first presented to a producer. Dang, this is driving me crazy. As a producer, uh, a brief synopsis that outlines the story, dramatizes highlights, and main characters. Variably known as a concept or an outline, the treatment is a detailed elaboration of the synopsis. A good treatment is presented in well-developed narrative form and covers every event and all the major action in the proposed film mm-hmm. in proper, thorough, tentative, continue out, continue, continuity. All right. That's good. Anyhow, that's it's a little, whole bunch more there, but I'm going to leave it at that. Well, and and the reason we have our guest Stuart Rosebrook from True West Magazine, because he's he's, he's uh, the son of a rather famous screenwriter, um, and uh, that would be uh, the screenwriter for Junior Bonner. So, uh, Stuart, what makes a good screenplay? Well, um, I think that my dad would always say it starts with character. Um, and I'll give you uh, just a real insight, short insight on how Junior Bonner came to be. And then we, I think we can, we can jump to some classic writers who um, you know, were short story and novel writers as well as screenwriters, but, which my dad was. My dad was a short story writer mm-hmm. and, um, and we had written some television. But he always said it starts with great characters and you build your story from there. In the summer of 1971, uh, 1970, late uh, summer 70, early August, his agent called him and said, Robert Redford is looking for a rodeo script. And my dad had just been over here in Arizona. Things were near, he was dire. Things were were in, uh, his option was running out on the script of James Coburn, a modern Western called Ward Craft. And, uh, so he just come back from Arizona vacation and gone to the Prescott Rodeo and quickly wrote out basically a one or two page story called Junior and his uh, agent sent it out and uh, Redford never made it. Uh, there were a number of westerns that were made that year on Rodeo, but Joe Wazan, who was just doing going into production on Jeremiah Johnson, read it called his, my dad's agent and said, I want it, and I want to work with Jeb. Uh, have him expand it into uh, a treatment um, like we just heard about. And then uh, he went to location. Uh, he said, I'm going on location for Jeremiah Johnson. Jeb, here's what we're going to do. 
they met and he said, you're going to send me the pages. You're going to mail them. I'm going to mail them back. You're going to mail me more pages. And they worked on the script via mail and Joe was Ann's notes. So they had a shooting script ready to give to McQueen and then to Sam. And both McQueen read the first draft that was Ann sent out. And then, um, uh, Sam read it and green-lighted it, and they went into pre-production, and then, you know, uh, they had just a quick turnaround. And that's unusual, but at the same time, it started with that story that was, you know, the one-page, two-page story, the great character, and it went from there. And I'd say that many times the director or producer has a vision for it, and then they find the right writer to work with to bring it to, to the page, and that you have the bones and structure of the cinema for the director and producer. Frequently, though, the what is written initially, like Bunker indicated from the uh, encyclopedia, there, uh, frequently that never comes to fruition. Right? It, it's things correct. It always gets changed. Cowboy and the classic. And, and Sam, you know, was it Sam Peckinpah? It's a good segue in that Sam himself had started in television in the 1950s and was a master of, was a great screenwriter, great teleplay writer, uh, very, really knew well how to work with writers and how to, uh, the adaptation um, of something for what he wanted to direct. You know, he, he started in as the field as a writer. And, um, the unusual thing was he had my dad with him. There was such a short turnaround from um, uh, Straw Dogs into Junior Bonner. McQueen needed something. There was a time frame, and everything worked. And sometimes if you see the great films that are made on location, the pressure for creativity and everyone's focus creatively, the, the entire team comes around it. And we'll talk about John Ford and how he made his pictures and John Huston and I think William Goldman. That kind of, when you have a right director matched with a writer and every, everything sings, Sam worked with my dad uh, after handed off from Joe. They got to Prescott, and um, they constantly worked on it together. My dad was on set, which is unusual for a lot, but that shows you the respect Sam had for my dad's words and for the bones of the, of the script versus what happens on a lot of movies is the writer gets paid, and they bring in the the director brings in their friend or rewrites it themselves and adds their name to the credit. Um, but it 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 speaks to the strength of that script for Junior Bonner. And if you talk about Sam scripts or John Huston or Nugent or Nichols, and one I just looked up today that I think we could talk about is uh, James Warren Bella, who was the he was Warner Bella. He was the writer for um, the man who shot Liberty Valance, and he. Uh, when I'm looking him up today, he wrote a bunch of the short stories that Ford bought for his cavalry westerns. And so uh, I think that directors will return time and again to writers who understand uh, that there's a good story and that the, the director can also visualize how that can be adapted and expanded uh, into a film. Just like, let's bring Todd into it, Bobby Roberts saw the magic of this massive kind of rambling novel called Monty Walsh by Jack Schaefer whose Shane had been made into what many consider a top ten western brilliant, very straight ahead kind of novel, Shane and Monty Walsh is a whole series of vignettes about cowboy life at the changing west and uh, Bobby saw the magic in that book, right Todd? And your dad saw the magic in that yeah. novel and but then had to find the right writer who could digest it distill it into a two-hour movie. Not a mini-series, but uh, a film. And uh, that's a big, that's an art form to take a novel and turn it into a 90-minute to two-and-a-half-hour film. It is. Um, and it's a and, tremendous uh, so, novel, yeah. I think, it's the yeah, I think that's what started out, though, with 13, 13 different short stories in the Saturday Evening Post, which got such response and such uh, people had such interest in it and they wanted more that finally they got uh, I think it was Jack Schaefer's agent that got him to take it and string it together as a novel and fill in all the gaps um, but you're right it is rambling because it starts out when he's basically almost 16 or turning 16 or 16 
And it ends with him 90 years old walking down the street in town with cars driving by scaring his horse. And he's all alone. So it, that, it's a long, long, long story. You're it's absolutely like life. right. Life is a long, long story. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, for sure. Well, and it only gets longer when you, the longer you stay in the bar, the longer it gets. Well, so, ain't that the truth? That is if you remember it. Ain't that the truth? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Thank you. We, we're going to go over a bunch of uh, screenplays and writers, um, and uh, we're going to do that after we uh, take our first break here. Already? Yeah, already. Hey, man. Time's going by so fast, isn't it? Flies, fly times it, when you're having It does. So. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West right after these very, very important messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts, our guest is Stuart Rosebrook uh, from True West Magazine. He's an editor there. We're talking about uh, screenplays. We also have a sit-in now. Well, our sit-in is uh, uh, David Layton, yes. writer. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. I had to give a little free advertising to the Arizona Daily Star newspaper, so I showed up. You know. So, okay. so why didn't you bring a Sunday paper for us? Yeah, really. Oh yeah, it's it's in the lobby. Okay, We're can good. you turn me down a little bit? There, all of a sudden, I got I got basso profundo. All right. There. Uh, so what we were going to be doing is talking about a variety of different screenplays and screenplay writers, and I was asked to go first. I you were who asked you? Todd asked me to go first. He did. <laughs> is Todd in charge? Uh, no. Okay. All right. But uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let's, let's load on I'm this. I, I'm an I'm an amenable I'm, kind of guy sometimes. You so. are a mean guy. You know, amenable. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what that means, but I'll go with it. Well, okay. we all should have a list. We should all have a list of up to ten. Yep. No more than ten. Yep. Okay. So does I, that mean my sixty some odd don't count? Probably. No. But here's here's the deal. I don't have. Well, bunker. You know. 
I believe in overkill. Here's the deal. I don't have, roadkill too. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a specific screenplay uh, set aside that I wanted to talk about. Rather, I wanted to talk about a screenplay a screenwriter, and he comes from the way old school, and his name is George H. Plimpton. Uh, oh! He, uh, <laughs> he he made he he made his. Uh, 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 career success, successful career as a Republic screenwriter, and sometimes for Universal and sometimes for Columbia. But the man churned out over 300 stories for movies and uh, later for television. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's that's pretty incredible. I what did he do in his spare time? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Did in his uh, spare time? I mean, he, his stuff goes all the way back to the silence. Um, and uh, it's just incredible, just absolutely incredible. For example, see, well, I guess one of my favorite ones would be Buster Crabby as Flash Gordon. That uh, Flash Gordon conquers the universe. That's pure classic. That those are. And this is Plimpton, P L Y M P T O N, not is, to be confused with the actor. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, he and uh, Basil Dickey. Um, I mean, they in the golden age of Republic Studios, they were it. And if you saw their name on a credit, it was going to be a good serial. And I, I just find that interesting. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I kind of did the same thing myself. I uh, come across this lady, uh, Betty uh, Burbride. And she had been an actress in that silence, and then around 1917, she started writing, and she wrote up until 1949, and she did 124 screenplays. One, I, one of the things I thought was kind of neat, though, was that she did 13 for Gene Autry, and I'm going to run through them just real quick, like okay. The Singing Vagabond, 35, Springtime in the Rockies, 37, Gold Mine in the Sky, 38. Man for Music Mountain, 39, Prairie Moon, 38, Colorado Sunset, 39, Roving Tumbleweeds, 39, South of the Border, 39, 39 was a good year, Rio Grande, 1940, Gaucho Ser uh, Serenade, 40, Ride Tenderfoot Ride, Melody Ranch, Stardust on the Sage, I mean, that lady was something else. And I saw some pictures of her. She was pretty. Uh, dang pretty. Todd, you got anything? Well, I, I have, uh, you know, I kind of, I look at I look at this two ways. I think there's the screen, the pure screenwriter, and that's all he did. And then I think there's the director, writer-director. Um, and three of my favorites um, are... John Ford, who said, I don't want to do life stories. I want to do windows of people's lives. A short, short period, uh, bring it all down to a short story. Don Siegel, who was um, uh, Clint Eastwood's directing mentor, who uh, directed a lot of great Western television and also, of course, did the first Dirty Harry. And he told uh, uh, Eastwood, keep it keep it tight and keep it quick and then of course there's Peckinpah who kind of went completely the opposite direction of everybody and he would take his screenplay and just fill it up with as much as he possibly could to where it was overflowing with stuff and scenarios and characters and so on and then strip it down and he so he would work in the reverse um, and I just find that you know there is no one way to get to the end of success, but there are many different versions, and I have to say that truly my favorite favorite screenplay of all time, Western screenplay is Ombre by Elmore Leonard mm -hmm. with Paul Newman and Richard I, Boone and Martin Balsam. That was a great show, great show to work on. Yeah, Elmore, so, Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard the, was a great writer. Well, and the dialogue is just so quick and tight. And it's so, you know, it, they use uh, Newman's character to explain everything, why things are the way they are. And, you know, I think there's the whole, 
you're asking yourself, why are these people following this guy? Well, obviously, you know, he's a he's a man of the area. He understands how to get along there. But there's a great scene where he looks up and says, uh, you know, the woman, the redheaded woman, I forget her name, who he has just fired as the manager of the hotel that he owns when he finds out that Diane Salento. Yeah. And he, she says, yeah, so we're just supposed to follow you? Uh, you know, out here in the middle of nowhere in the desert? And he says, yep, that's right. <laughs> and she says, well, why is that? And he said, because I can cut it, lady. And that's all he says. Mm-hmm. He gets up and puts his, puts the rifle on his shoulder and grabs the gun belt and throws that over the other shoulder and starts walking. You know, it's, and it does. You don't need any more than that. It's short and sweet. There's no fat. You know, the similarity to stagecoach. That's the difference. Is really striking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that squelched the conversation. You mean? You mean it? You, no. you mean in the, it's an ensemble cast. I mean, we have to find, you know, the fact of the matter is I think Stagecoach, for every Western post-Stagecoach, if you are a Western filmmaker in, or television, you owe a bit of your success to that ensemble film that took Western from, you know, the B picture back to the A as an art, as an American art form. And um, that ensemble cast, you know, Ford knew how to take the material and the budget he had, great uh, screenplay. And um, now was that, uh, who was the, do we, who has, is it Dudley Nichols screenplay? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, guy Dumas Passant was the original writer on it. Well, and it was a novel by Ernest Haycox. Yeah, but originally it was it was a, uh, yeah. a French That's short right. story. Yeah, called the called the the stage to and, Lordsburg, and it was Dudley um, Nichols did the screenplay on that. Yeah, but right. you're right, For Stuart. That. that film, and you're right as well, Bunker. That film laid the foundation for all westerns, but it also laid the foundation for how many westerns were made, basically that copied it. Exactly. Uh, I can think of, you know, not to mention uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat is a remake of Stagecoach. Uh, uh, Comanche Station with uh, with Randolph Scott is Stagecoach. Um, uh, Ombre is a remake of Stagecoach. They're on foot instead of uh, um, instead of in the Stagecoach. And there's so many times. How many films have we seen where? You have a group of people. They're odd characters. Some, some have friction. Some do not. Some get along. Some don't. Uh, and there are opposites in whatever reason and way, and they have to survive, depending on each other, whether they like each other or not. And and I think it adds and creates a tremendous story and byline. Well, one of the things I like, I, I think that is uh, interesting for for. Our, listeners to do is to take a great western uh, that is, has a fantastic script and the dialogue and uh, and put it on just their speakers and if you you can listen to Stagecoach and understand that the that, that not only was the screenplay the foundation for it's a stage play uh, and then you have the vision of a director who makes it into a moving picture but all the men and women who worked on that that film, if you turn off the moving picture, the sound effects, the the the, the script dialogue is like listening to a radio show. And some of the the best westerns of all time, you can listen to them without mm-hmm. watching the visual, and 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 feel the enti- entire effect of the actors and the drama of the story. I think and that. I think that that's, Go ahead. No, and I think that that's where the magic of a great screenplay, you, you can you can get it just from that. That You don't even need the movie picture because the script is so strong. Well, and, and uh, you mentioned uh, listen, it's like listening to the radio, which is radio listening is a theater of the mind. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, and, and many of these folks had been, uh, had played in radio. So to write for radio, it, it's not 
that easy. Yeah, and you know, Stuart, uh, do you remember a couple oh, a couple issues back on the Roundup? They did a kind of a panel question for the writers about what movies, what westerns they thought would make a great play. And it got me to thinking that in the early days of the silence, so many of the westerns were actually plays before they were uh, silence. Well, you, Todd mentioned right. Todd mentioned Comanche Station, and the screenwriter for that was Burt Kennedy. And, oh, uh, what a great guy! Uh, he's chosen as one of the top 100 screenwriters of all time by the uh, Screenwriters Guild, I guess it is. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Absolutely. what, what, what uh, Kennedy is uh, quoted as saying is, my theory has always been to write a real small story against a big background, uh, Kennedy said, a simple outline for essentially every great Western ever since. And he, he goes on to say, I always thought that one secret of a good Western is that the leading man should be able to walk away at any point, but he chooses not to. And that's what makes him a hero. And he doesn't have to say a lot. He just yeah. has to mean it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and do it. And, yeah. and with that, back it up. Yeah. And, and with that, we got to do our our uh, bottom of the hour break here. Time is going very quickly. Too quick. Too quick. Too fast. Too fast. It always does. We'll be back with much more of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very very important messages. Don't run away. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. With the fall and the coming of cooler weather, Tucson Trap and Skeet now institutes our fall hours. Office hours are Wednesday through Sunday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And automated fields are open daily from 7 a.m. until dusk. So come out and shoot from one of our 50 trap fields, 13 skeet fields, or five international bunkers. Visit TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com for all of our upcoming events or call 883-6426. Hi, everyone. This is Susan McRae. Welcome to Chaparral Roundup. I Chaparral debuted back in 67 and lasted until 71. March 12th through the 14th in Tucson, Arizona, I'll be hosting Chaparral Roundup, a get-together with fans, friends, and special guests featuring confessions of an acting cowboy, highlights of the life and career of Don Collier, who was Sam Butler on the show, lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, the location where we shot several episodes of the High Chaparral, with music, a Western show, a question and answer panel with special guests, the great Western band, Fort Worth West, and so much more. The registration form with all information is on the website, chaparralroundup.com, or on the Facebook page, Chaparral Roundup, March 12th through the 14th, 2021, in Tucson, Arizona. Great fun with great people. Chaparral Roundup. You don't want to miss it. You're looking for trouble, Donovan? You aim to help me find some? This is the Voices of the West. We are 
back on Amo Franzi's The Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you, along with uh, Bunker de France and John Roberts. Our guest is True West Magazine editor Stuart Rosebrook. We are talking about screenplays and screenwriters. Uh, and uh, that little snippet you heard there of uh, John Wayne, um, that comes from the man who shot Liberty Valance. Now, there's a great script. That is a great script. Uh, Stuart. Yes, sir. A, a, a screenwriter other than your dad or yourself that uh, really impresses you? Well, I've been going through a little list, and, uh, you know, we're just talking about, uh, you know, James Warner Bella, who wrote Man Who Shot Liberty Balance. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think someone, so I, I like uh, John Houston is someone, and Borden Chase, you know, I've got a, a handful here, Frank Nugent, Dudley Nichols, James Warren Bella, but I think John Houston is somebody who uh, we were talking about writer-directors um, who grew up writing in the 1930s and understood how to put that on, that great story, great characters, an ensemble cast. And, you know, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, to me, is oh, well, a, yeah. a brilliant script, yeah. great classic characters. Classic of classics. Uh, um, it's a novel, it's a short story. I mean, and it, and it sticks with you. And uh, I recommend anybody who hasn't seen it in a while... Uh, many of us all grew up seeing it on your small screen old TVs. I watched it not too long ago on the new flat screen where you see the whole magic of the director's cut. You know, we all mm-hmm. saw him, everything. And uh, I think that that's uh, John Huston is somebody I really think um, is worth going back. And, and then, of course, like Frank Nugent, uh, a, a writer who knows how to work with a director uh, is like Frank Nugent, who did. Ford Apache, Three Godfathers, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, Wagon Masters, The Quiet Man, um, Sergeant Thurger, Rutledge. Sergeant Rutledge, They Rode West. Again, some, I think also that's also the magic of that teamwork, that collaboration where um, you get a writer who understands the genre and gets his, a director and they know how to work together, which you know, for all of us, that's the magic of filmmaking that we want to go back and rewatch a film over and over. The story continues to inspire, makes you cry, makes you laugh, wants you to, again, cheer for the hero. Um, you know, uh, you want them, you don't want, you want them to succeed and, um, and win the day. Or like Elmore Leonard, like Todd was talking earlier, you know, he really understood short story. And, uh, and, um, you know, there are certain directors, John Huston is one of them, I think that, uh, and I think we all know there's the, the short story or the Western in which the hero wins the day, and then there's that other Western where it just ends, and you're like, yeah. that's it? Yeah. Uh, that, that Hemingway-like ending, and you're like, an ombre is a perfect example of that. You're just like, and John Huston would end his pictures in that old style where the, the the end. And you're like, yeah. really? Well, you know, you, well, that, you know, a lot of that came about, uh, unfortunately changed after Dory Sherry took over at MGM. Because from that point on, every, he said, there was an edict that every picture we make will have a message. And when you look at Ombre or some of those others you mentioned, there is no message at the end. The message is, it, here's the truth, you know. You people all thought he took the money in Ombre. He was taking the money for himself. He wasn't. He was taking it back to the Apaches where he grew up. Uh, right. And there's a lot of truthful. I would say also the other reason that you can say, you know, what con- connotates a great script is how many lines do you remember in your head from it? Right, exactly. Or do you walk around reciting? Uh, in, in Ombre, there's... Uh, you know, there's the line that I had already mentioned. Then there's the other line when when uh, Newman walks down with saddlebags full and uh, he shot Richard Boone three times. And uh, he says, uh, Mr., you got a lot of hard bark on you to, 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 to Newman. And Newman says, well, we all got to die sometime. My greatest life. The greatest line in that movie, though, is, Hey, hombre, you have put a bullet hole clean through me. Well, that's definitely one of them. I mean, <laughs> I would say that the, the Mexican 
uh, the Mexican's line, his last line in the film is, is, I want to know his name. Yeah. I want to know the name of this guy out of all these people that have come come across that never took me. This guy took me, and I still don't know his name. What's Mm -hmm. his name? That's, uh, I need to know his name. And uh, I think, you know, you think, you look at a picture like Monty Walsh, and Lee Marvin says, uh, um, he looks in the mirror and he says to the Wild West show guy, I ain't spitting on my life. Yep. You know, uh, or when Chet says to him, you know, not everybody gets to cow- be a cowboy forever. Yeah. Not even line. Monty Walsh. What a line. That, or, is, that is a really know, good line. Uh, or Chet Rollins is uh, uh, Mr. Uh, the, the, owner, the, the branch manager. He says nobody sits a horse like Monty Walsh. Yeah. Uh, or in uh, uh, in uh, Lonesome Dove, when when uh, 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 Augustus McRae says, "You know, once Woodrow in my life before I die, I'd like to shoot at an intelligent man." <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> one. Yeah. Just once. Well, you know, I've got. I've you know, got, I've got he's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, "Well, I'd like to know somebody who understands." You know the 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 uh, uh, pig Latin on the bottom of the sign that they advertise. <laughs> I've got one you know? for all of us here. Elmer Leonard, one of the one of the great writers, novelists of of all time, one of the great film writers of all time. Yeah. Look at the difference in what is required to write a novel and what is required to write a screenplay. Hmm. Yeah. And he could do both. He could do. He could do as a master. Yeah, yeah. And, so, di- and master by the way, of dialogue. Another one is Elmer Kel- Elmer Elmer Kelton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who could do both. Um, but I would also, you know, I just want to throw out that, you know, uh, William Wellman wrote a lot of great screenplays, some mm-hmm. westerns, some not, but including Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, uh, Peckinpah's Paul's Wild Bunch, The Searchers. We already talked about. I'd like to throw two in there because uh, The Searchers is Marty Scorsese's, and if you value him as a director, that's his favorite film of all time. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's also John Milius's favorite script. And his other favorite script is uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. So that's I think, really says a lot. And at the same time, Quentin Tarantino's favorite script of all time, Western or not, is Judge Roy Bean, written by John Milius and directed by John Huston. So that throws a nod there at, at Stewart. Um, the wind, you know, and, the uh, wind and the lion. Wow, what a script. John Milius. Yep. John Milius, again. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think that he, hey, you know, he also, he didn't get the credit, but he wrote um, he wrote. Uh, uh, he didn't get the credit, but he wrote Dirty Harry, and Don Siegel directed it. Um, so I think that uh, uh, I think that says you know a lot that he would he would he would look to them. And the last one I would say uh, is uh, is a writer director is 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 in some ways I would say Richard Brooks, because uh, who wrote two of my favorites, which are The Professionals. One of my favorite films of all time, and of course, um, uh, uh, "Bite the Bullet," another great western. Both great westerns. You know, we don't see a whole lot of uh, females in the um, screenwriting business, Ravitch, as far as westerns go. Um, but there is one here that's cited by uh, 100 best screenwriters of all time. The Queen of Space Opera. You guys know who she might be? Lee Brackett. No. Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett, yes, sci-fi writer. She did uh, Rio Bravo and El Dorado. Uh, she also did The Big Sleep. And uh, she did portions of uh, the Star Wars. Uh, She's one of the giants films. of sci-fi. She had passed away uh, just before stuff happened. There was also a female writer when I was looking up Ombre today. One of the co-writers, adapters of Elmore Leonard's script was um, Terry and Ravitch. Woman, that, yeah, needs to be remembered. Um, and 
where is it here? Harriet, uh, uh, it's Irving Ravich and Harriet. Oh, yeah, I got uh, that Frank, backwards, yeah. Was, I got uh, Harriet Frank Jr. Um, and, you know, in that same time period as Ombre is William Goldman, who um, I've been trying to put together a list of how many Westerns have won Best Screenplay uh, as an Oscar. Yeah. And um, uh, not a modern Western, but a traditional. And Butch Cassidy, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is one of the rare Westerns to win uh, an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Hmm. And uh, Goldman also taught at UCLA, not too far from Todd over there. And um, he really was a master of storytelling. And He um, absolutely was. Absolutely. And uh, He also he wrote a film from my dad called The Hot Rock with Robert Redford and George Siegel, mm -hmm. uh, which was an adaptation by another great writer who doesn't fit in our category today because he never did any Westerns, but Donald Westlake was a comedic crime novelist. Oh, and, awesome uh, writer, yeah. And he did great, great novels. Uh, there was a sequel to it with George C. Scott that my father also made, uh, which was called The Bank Shot. And uh, he, he, he was a comedic crime novelist, and you rooted for the criminals who were successful in spite of themselves. Well, what about Sloan so, Nibley? That's, he's one of my favorite guys from the Bees. Tell us about him. I'm, I'm sure I'm not oh, sure. You, I'm okay, well, I don't know him. He did, he did a lot of the Rogers. He did an awful lot of Republic. Uh, the Far Frontier was one of his, uh, one of his pieces. He uh, he was uh, you know pot boiler westerns, but it was you know it was the bread and butter uh, scripts of, of Republic. Well, well and I think you can't argue with success. They sure did make a lot of them, which meant a lot of people went into the theaters and saw them. Mm -hmm. So they were uh, time time tells, and people are still watching them. Time tells you that they they're good and they hold up. Well, you and know they do. You know, you, when you when you think about some of the great lines in in the B westerns, that you know, they stick with you even though you don't remember the movie anymore. Well, that's why I generally like to play a little little B western, uh, uh, yeah, audio oh, track uh, at the bottom of the hour uh, frequently because hey, I, I love those things. There's there I can't remember the western, but it was uh, uh, Dick Farnsworth is one of the one of the gang. And they've got the good guys down in the line shack, and they're just making Swiss cheese out of the line shack. And somebody in the line shack fires a shot back, finally. It ricochets off a rock near Dick, and Dick turns to Blackie, who's Charlie King, and goes, I'm getting out of here, Blackie. It's too tough for me. Yep. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, you know, if you think about the professionals, uh, 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 there's a point where the bandits uh, have um, uh, stripped uh, uh, Burt Lancaster down to his long johns, and they're hanging him upside down, uh, and his hands are tied behind his back, and they've torturing him a little bit and trying to get information out of him. And the lead bandit says, you know, uh, where, are, where are your friends? He goes, oh, no, I came here alone. And he slaps him across the face, and he says, I don't want to have to ask you too many times, where are your friends? And he slaps him. He just says, no, I came here for the wine, women, and the song. And he slaps him, slaps him, smacks his face across, right across again. And he says, do I have to kill you to prove to you that I love you? And I guess he goes, no, I think I get it. Yeah, right. Or something to that effect, you know. <laughs> the, the writing is so taut. It's funny, and you're in a desperate life and death situation. Or, you know, when they discover that, you know, uh, Claudia Carnal is in love with the bad guy kidnapper, Jack Palance, and, and they see him walk into the room, and he takes his clothes off, and he gets into bed with her, and the both of them are hiding behind the wall, so he can't see them. Neither one of them can see them. And Lancaster looks at Lee Marvin and says, Amigo. We've been had. Let's get out of here. You know, there's great lines. Yep. Short and simple. 
All right, we got to do our final break here. We're talking screenwriters and screenplays on this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Our guest is uh, True West Magazine editor Stuart Rosebrook. And Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker de France is here. David Layton's here. I'm Harry Alexander, and I'm here. You we'll are be back. <laughs> we'll you be are. back right after these important messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 1911 Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Just want to get ready and uh, belly up to the saloon there, belly up to the belly bar. up to the bar. You know, that's, uh, when I drink, everybody drinks. <laughs> when I pay, everybody pays. That <laughs> sounds like a cowboy. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker, the friend Todd Roberts. Our guest is Stuart Rosebrook, and also with us is um, our good friend David Layton, freelance writer. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, the thrust of our program today is all about um, uh, screenplays and so forth. Um, here, here's one that didn't get to make very many lists, and I don't know why. The Wild Bunch. Oh, yeah, I've got that here. Well, Green I, and I Sam have Peckinpah. it on my list. All right. Definitely. Good. Definitely. Uh, and I, it comes oh, yeah. for me, it comes down to, uh, you know, again, how many lines do you remember, or do it, does it have a crucial line that is the pivot of the, fi- the mm-hmm. film? And I... I think there's several. The first one is 
when uh, when William Holden leaves Bo, Bo Hawkins in the uh, bank and he says, "If they move, kill him." And he he looks at him and he goes, "You betcha, no problem." <laughs> oh, he's all completely completely oblivious to the fact that he's being left to hold the bag. Yeah, um, and pays for his life with it. He he also. Um, uh, you know, there's also the line of when uh, the old man, Edmund O'Brien's uh, stirrups break and he falls over and Ben Johnson's like, well, why don't we just shoot him? He's nothing but a, a lag on us anyway. And uh, uh, Holden says, you know, when you sign up with a man, you stick with him or you're no better than the animals you're riding. Right. And uh, or the my favorite other last one is when. Uh, He's, they're standing there and they're looking at the guns and they're looking at the uh, uh, the Mexican army's got that Gatling gun and all that and says uh, Holden says no we're going to go deliver these guns and and uh, Ernest Borgnine says no we shouldn't we shouldn't we should not keep our word uh, uh, he goes uh, uh, it doesn't matter who you give your word to it matters it doesn't matter if you give your word or not what matters is if you who you give it to, in other words, if you give it to a bad guy, it's okay to break it. Yeah, All go right. to the list, Stuart. What are you? What are you? What are you working on these days? Well, most of my work right now is uh, you know True West. We just um, we have a big uh, issue coming out in January with uh, an exclusive um, from Rob Bob Utley's newest book on Sitting Bull mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it's just a tremendous look at um, the Sitting Bull and their flight to freedom to Canada and you know Utley is uh, I think 92 or 93 this year and wow. um, it's really um, pinnacle of his writing we named it um, uh, our, uh, our best book and we're starting to frame out our next a couple of issues mm-hmm. and um, uh, so we're uh, we've, we've had a really uh, we've had a really good year um, and uh, we're going to see some big things coming up this next year um, you know we're working on doing some um, cover stories on uh, Bass Reeves and nice. we're going to be looking at Quigley Down Under good uh, we're going to be doing we're going to be doing uh, taking a look at uh, the Lords of the Plains the Comanche and the Sioux um, you know with um, uh our, um, we're trying to work with uh, really good storytelling, good historians, good writing, and um, you know we've got great support across the board and uh, a lot of great contributors. And um, working with Bob Bell, that's my what I'm really working hard at is to make sure that we've got um, uh, fresh voices, uh, some of the best writers that we can bring into the magazine, and then also taking a look at stories that you know people know, but trying to find new new ways to look at the story. I was really happy how we looked at Zapata and the Mexican Revolution mm-hmm. in the November issue. Yes. And then a big cover story in Virgil Earp. And um, then uh, Paul Hutton's Daniel Boone. And what's interesting was you get, you get into these subjects as a you know an editor of a popular Western magazine is how these stories have been told over time, uh, not just in print, you know, by historians, but how they've been interpreted in fiction as well in film mm-hmm. and the television and, and how the debate, and I think the wild bunch is one of those stories when you get into doing the Mexican revolution um, and what, um, why that film was made and, and how it affects us to this day, just like the searchers or like the 30, this is dances with wolves. We just did a piece on that. It's the 30th anniversary of dances with wolves. And mm-hmm. actually we have an exclusive with Graham green coming up in the, uh, February, March issue, and um, so again, it goes back to story, and um, and also trying to find the story that hasn't been told before. You know, relooking at it from another angle. Stuart, and I think that that yes, sir. Uh, real quick question: The Dances with the Wolves. Uh, what month will that will that be? That's going to be in our February March issue. Um, okay. Uh, twenty twenty one. All right, uh, Graham Green. I was going to say we are plumb out of time, guys. We just got to wow. do. We got to do part two. I know we, we Stuart, definitely you up for a part two. 
Oh, yeah, we have so much to talk about on Good. this. I am eager to get back Good. to it. We will, Excellent. We will Excellent. schedule for another movie Saturday with you uh, not in the not-too-distant future. So thanks, thank you, thank you uh, for joining us today, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Stuart. And thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll be talking at you uh, next time on Amo Francis. What are we Voice doing Sports? next Saturday? I have no idea. Nuggets, <laughs> Maybe, like always. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait. we resemble that. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 